so we're in our series in these first three weeks of the, of, the, of the year called First Things First. Everybody say First Things First. First Things First. And uh, uh, what we're doing is we're unpacking this idea of truly putting God first in everything. Because if we truly want to maximize the full potential of what God has called us to in our lives, it is necessary to put God first. That's the title of today's message. Put God first. First, come on with a, with a with a smile in your, in your on your face. Can you tell two people? Put God first. Put God first, baby. We gotta put God first. We gotta put God first. So 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 last week I I, I kind of showed you guys. Um, production team helped me out with a list of things. Like it's a new year. We want a lot of things to happen. We want a lot of things kind of as part of our year. It's understandable. It's good. The reality, however, is that we can't do everything at the same time or at the same level or with the same intensity. So then the question is, what's most important? And that led us to the Bible verse that is for this series, which is uh, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, right? So, So what is the instruction? By the way, these are words of Jesus. What does he encourage us to do to seek what? First, because order matters, right? We got to seek first. And what do we got to seek first? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Uh, and, 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 and we're going to get to where this leads to, where this comes from, this whole passage. Um, but, but it's important for us to understand that, that order matters. And so we got to put God first. So I want to I show you a little illustration. I think it will be helpful to, to kind of understand a little bit the, the heart and the point uh, of this message. Okay? And, and so I want you to think for a moment. I want you to consider, consider this is your life. This is my life right? And we have to make determinations and choices on how are we going to fill our lives? What are we going to put into our lives? So uh, there's so many things that are part of our lives. I'm, I'm, I'm going just in a, in a random order, right? Um, how, many, how many of you got friends? Anybody got friends? Friends are part of, part of what we need in our life. Yes? Amen? Can I get an amen? Friends are part of our life. Uh, anybody got school? Some people got school? Yeah, if you, especially when you're younger, you got school. You got school? All right, what else we got? We got, we got anybody, anybody think this is important for life? <laughs> Exercise, if you want your body to be good, to be strong, right? Some of us could probably do a little more of this, probably. Uh, it's important, right? It's, 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 part of our, it's part of our journey. It's part of our, our life. How about this? Is this, is this important? It's, a, it's an important part of our life. We got to have time for family. We got we to put our family in life. Now, those of us who are a little bit older, obviously, right? Yeah? Yeah? No, you, no yes, work is part of our work. It's part of... What God calls us to. You guys got to go watch that series on, on uh, connecting Sunday faith to Monday work, right? Um, what else we got? We got, ch- hey, church, come on. Church is a good part. We want, we want church to be a part of our life. I think it's important. I think it's part of, part of what's important for our life. What else? Hey, hey, you can't be healthy. You know? Have you ever done studies on how many hours you sleep in your life? Like this is an important part, an important, <laughs> an important part of life. What else do we got? We got, we got, uh, we got finances, Yeah. Yeah, finances. We got hobbies, things that we like to do for fun, right? There's all kinds of things that we do. Um, our life, our life. We, 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 we want things in our life. Anybody got some goals? Got some goals? Yeah. Not soccer, like life, right? Soccer, soccer goals. And uh, entertainment. Hey, we got to do some things for fun, right? There's, there's, there's time for some fun and, and entertainment in our life. And uh, let's see what else I got. Self-care. Anybody want to take care of yourself? It's important, right? Self-care is important. Uh, so all this stuff is important. Now, <laughs> my life is full. My life is full. And, and guess what? I, I also want to put, put God, but 
But what? There's no room. There's no space. And sometimes what happens is we occupy ourselves with bringing things into our life and we forget the order. And what happens is by the time we realize, oh, I want some, I want some of God in my life, we're too tired, we're too full, or we just don't have room. And so, and so this is, this is, this is interesting, right? This is interesting because it causes us to kind of think, all right, so, so if I have this responsibility of living my life, of incorporating all kinds of things in my life, uh, which, are, which are important, which are, which are good, which are part of, of, of the journey, I have to begin to consider, I have to begin to consider all these things. And as I consider all these things, I have to consider that my time is limited, my capacity is limited, and so I have to think about the order. And so here is, here's God's instruction. Here's Jesus' recommendation in Matthew 6. What do we seek first? So when we put God first, when we put God first, what happens is, all of a sudden it creates space for all the things in my life that are part of it, that are important. And, and, and it's interesting because sometimes in certain type moments of life, some parts seem a little more important than another one. However, the most important key is how I start. I got to put God what? I got to put God first. And as I put God first, I realize that all the other things begin to fall in place. And when I put God first, it's incredible how I have enough time for the things that I need to have time for. I have space for the things that I need to have space for. And if it's not that important, then maybe it doesn't fit in my life. And when I put God first, he has a way of allowing everything to come into order. And when everything is in order, I feel like my life is full in a good way. I feel like I am in order. But you have to put God first. Why? Say it with me. Order matters. Come on, tell two people next to you. Say, order matters. It's an important key of life. It's important to establish priorities. Another important uh, uh, lesson from here is that order determines capacity. Have you ever tried to reorganize a drawer and put the wrong things in first? Because order determines capacity. So here's the big problem that many times we have in life. Okay, here's the big problem. We find ourselves trying to get so many things into our life However, we find sometimes that some of the most important things don't fit. They're crowded out, whether it's space, whether it's time, whether it's attention, whether it's focus. And by the time we remember, oh, wait a second, I want God in my life, we're already too full. We're already too consumed. And so I want to tell you from the beginning of the word of God, from the beginning, we see that God is first. In fact, in, 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 in the first verse of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, because God is in the beginning. He is first. In Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapter 20, where we have the Ten Commandments, God says, he says, you shall have no other gods before me, in front of me, first. No, no one else. I'm first place. We have a God who wants priority in your life. God wants priority in my life. God wants to be first in our lives. And often, we want God in our life, but we still want control. And you can't be in control if you want God to be in control. 
God must be first. And God refuses to be secondary in anybody's life. Because that is not his rightful place. The heart of today's message. Here it is. I'm going to give it to you in two sentences. If you truly want to see the most important things fit properly in your life, you have to pay attention to your priorities. When you put God first, everything can come into order. When God is not first, nothing can come into order. Can we pray? Lord, we give this time in your hands and we ask that the seeds of truth from your word would land on good soil in each and every heart, mind, and life of those of us who are present and connected online in this moment, listening to this message. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anybody got your Bible today? I want to see him. I want to see him. Wow, this is, a, this is a church that actually believes in God and reads the Bible. Praise God. Come on, if somebody next to you has their Bible, say, good job. Tell them, good job. And if somebody doesn't, just pinch them with love. Just pinch them with love. I want you to go to Matthew 6. That's going to be our main passage. If you want to put a marker in Ephesians 5, you can do so. But I will give you a warning. I have a lot of consecutive verses in the second part of the message. So I suggest writing down the verse addresses because you might not be able to open to all of them. But we're definitely going to focus at the beginning here on Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Are you guys ready to get in the word? Yeah? Yeah? Anybody came to church to be bored today? Anybody came to church because you're forced and they pulled your ear? Well, praise God you're here. Amen? Praise God. Matthew 6, verse 25. This is Jesus speaking, and, um, and, look what, and, he, and he's trying to get everybody's attention here. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. By the way, we, we tend to worry about a lot of things. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds, Jesus says. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't, you, don't worry about these things. By the way, these things in, in your life, all these things. Don't worry about these things. Saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Here's the key verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Are you guys with me? I want to break down Matthew 6.33 piece by piece. Let's start with the first piece, which is, but seek. Everybody say seek. That word is important. Those who follow Christ are urged to seek God above all else. We're urged in this verse to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. By the way, the verb seek implies being continually absorbed in a search for something or making a strenuous and diligent effort to obtain something. By the way, to find God and to know him in his fullness 
In order for that to happen, a person must seek him wholeheartedly with devotion. You must earnestly seek God and desire his presence and his nearness and his proximity. That's why we have verses like Psalm 63, uh, uh, which talks about, I seek you earnestly in the morning. My soul thirsts for you, the psalmist says. That's why Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me. By the way, God wants to be found. Did you know that? He's not good at playing hide and seek. He wants you to find him. Hebrews eleven six. it says that, it says that, that for, in order for there to be faith, you must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, of those who seek him. God rewards that. So that's the first word, seek. Then, then it's seek first. Everybody say first. The next part is that we, we got to seek first. And we've established that order is so important, but it can be so hard. It can be so hard in this world. And by the way, can, you, can, I, can I remind you today that you have an enemy who wants to stop you from putting God first? Because when you put God first, his purposes begin to unleash in your life. The enemy doesn't want that to happen, so he doesn't want you to put God first. So, so what will the enemy do? He will provide you in this world with so many distractions. By the way, human beings, we're distractible. We're highly distractible. Distracted by what, pastor? Let me teach you a lesson. You may have heard this before. Often we're distracted by the tyranny of the urgent. Have you ever heard that before? The tyranny of the urgent. I'm going to share a little bit about this teaching, which is not necessarily directly from the Bible, but I believe that spiritually we can apply this with parallel biblical principles. Every day you experience the tyranny of the urgent. How? Because every day there are things that are competing for your time and your attention. Notifications. I just got one. Emails, text messages. At home, if you have kids, your kids need your attention. Some things are urgent. If you're at home, you got bills to pay, and it's urgent. Uh, if you're at work, you have deadlines, and it's urgent. And you have meetings, and it's urgent. If you're at school, you have projects, and, it, and you have tests, and it can seem urgent. And we live in an age that is ruled by the tyranny of the urgent. And here's the trap. Here's the trap. If you spend your life reacting to what is urgent, you will never get to what is important. So here's the tension, the urgent versus the important. Are you with me? So urgent is all about short-term, immediate attention, okay? Important typically focuses on long-term goals and plans that are life-changing. For example, when we're talking about things that are important, check this out, eating healthy is important, but it's not necessarily urgent, because I don't have to do it right now, because I'll be okay even if I don't. But if I think about long-term, my life and my health, it is of high importance. Are you with me? Getting out of debt financially. Getting out of debt. It's important, but it's not urgent. Like, if it doesn't happen right now and today, I'm, it's going to be okay. But if I don't pay attention to it over in, in the long term, it's going to be a big problem. Are you following me? We all get 1,440 minutes every day and we have the responsibility and the decision of how we are going to invest every minute of our day. Too often, we are reacting to what is urgent and not giving priority to what is important. And so I want to share with you a practical tool that you can use uh, to spiritually prioritize what's important over what is urgent. You may have seen this in the past. We've shared it in messages in the past. I want to show you the Eisenhower decision matrix. Okay, 
The Eisenhower decision matrix was developed by our 34th president of the United States, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh, he was the supreme commander of the Allied Forces, and he was a man who every day was flooded with great decisions, especially when he was leading our nation against the tyranny of uh, Hitler and, and, and that, in that season of our history. One of his quotes, one of his quotes was this, what's urgent is rarely important, and what is important is rarely urgent. And this principle led him to create the Eisenhower matrix. And so what it is, it's a four-quadrant box. And as you can see on the top, it identifies urgent, not urgent, and then on the side, important, not important. Um, I want to talk about each quadrant. So quadrant one, quadrant one where you see that something is important and that it's also urgent, typically this is like crisis, uh, or it's deadlines, okay? So, for example, if you get a message right now from your son or from your brother right now saying, hey, it looks like a pipe broke and the toilet is overflowing at the house. That's extremely important. It's extremely urgent. And you might even say, Pastor, I'll be, I'm so sorry. I'll watch online later. I got to go. Are you with me? It's, 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 a, it's important and it's urgent. Uh, if you have an international flight in two weeks and you pick up your passport and you realize, it's expired. It's happened to some of you. I know. I know. That is extremely important, and it is extremely urgent, right? It, it, now let's talk about quadrant number two. Quadrant number two is important, but not urgent. And typically, uh, this is your long-term plans and goals in life. So maybe you need to lose 25 pounds, according to your doctor, to be at, at a healthy weight and be in better physical shape. It's important, but it's not necessarily urgent. It has to happen right now. Uh, maybe you have the goal of making your marriage stronger uh, because that's a good thing for your marriage. Uh, however, it's extremely important. However, it's not urgent because you're going to be okay if it doesn't happen right now unless you're already at that point, <laughs> marriages, where, 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 it's, where it's extremely urgent, right? So it's not urgent. That's why we typically don't, typically don't get to it. And then stuff gets cheated out because of quadrants three and quadrant four. Quadrant three down here, it's, it's, it's not important, but it's urgent. These are usually interruptions. So you're at work, someone pops in your office unexpectedly, um, having to kind of go through emails. Uh, sometimes there's meetings that you have to be a part of. They're not necessarily important, but it's urgent. You have to be a part of it, right? Now, where we most lose time, okay, dun, 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 quadrant four. Quadrant four is things that are not important, and not urgent. These are known as distractions, okay? This is social media. This is, this is Netflix binging. This is, this is, young people. One more video, man. One more, one more, mom. One more. Sorry, there's something that takes over when I ever talk about that. These are things that we invest time in daily that actually contribute zero to helping you grow or reach your long-term goals and plans in life. They drain your time. And that's why when you get a little report at the end of the week of what your screen time average per day was, and you see five hours, oh, I'm better this week, five hours and you th per day, per day. 
And that's when you say five hours of my day being awake. Are you following me? So why do I show this to you? Because I believe this can help you in your spiritual life to evaluate what's truly important. Because if you want to fulfill God's purpose in your life, you have to be intentional about spending the majority of your time in quadrant two. So if, I, if we can fill in the boxes, right, when something is important and urgent, I got to do it and I got to do it now because it's important and it's urgent. When something is important but it's not urgent, I got to decide and I got to put in the schedule because if I don't, I'm not going to do it. When something is not important and it's urgent, it's ideal if I can delegate it. Who can do it better than me or for me or more responsible for it? And then if it's not urgent and it's not important, delete. Eliminate it or at the very most, at the very least, minimize it. Are you with me? So instead of eight episodes that took four hours, do one. <laughs> Are you following me? And so check this out. Check this out. Check this out. The people who are world changers, people who lead nations, people who are innovators and achievers, the most successful people in worldly terms speaking that way, they spend 80% of their time in quadrant two. 80%. Focusing on what is important but not urgent. Are you following me? First things first. So you have to be careful because often... What is urgent will distract you from what's important. The most productive people focus on what's important and not urgent. This is what Jesus did. He is the ultimate example of a life fully maximized for the purposes of God. As you read through the Gospels, Jesus spent the majority of his time focusing on what was important while denying the tyranny of the urgent. So what's Jesus telling us in Matthew 6.36? He's telling us this, this is the principle. Here it is. Put first things first. And watch me bless the rest. This is what Jesus says. Put first things first and watch me bless the rest. I don't know if production has that. Put first things first and watch me bless the rest. Okay, so we talked about seek. We talked about seek first. And now it says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What do we have to seek first? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? In fact, what is the kingdom of God. Well, think about the word kingdom. What does the word kingdom imply? It implies that there is a king. And if there's a king, that implies that there is a government. There is an authority. There is a rule. Are you following me? And so we have to think about what this means because everyone at one point in their life or another has to be confronted with this reality that here's the first point under this, sub this section Spiritually speaking, there are only two kingdom choices. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world of whom Satan is king. Are you following me? There are only two kingdoms, okay? There are two different frames of reference. The kingdom of God means or refers to the rule of God. It is where God does what he wants to do because he is in charge. So when you and I are living a life where God is in charge of our lives, we are no longer under our own charge and we are no longer under the rule of the world, kingdom of the world. We are under the rule of the kingdom of God. Another way of saying it is we are now, our culture is not the world's culture, it's God's culture. We live in his kingdom. So you're either in one 
or the other. We all have to make a choice regarding this spiritually. Jesus came as a light to help guide us to God's kingdom. Can I show you a verse in Ephesians 5, 8 through 10? Right here, right here. It says, for once you were full of darkness. Help me out. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of Light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So what matters most is the spiritual kingdom you belong to, and you will identify with one or the other. It's a good question to ask myself. What kingdom am I living in? Here's the next point. The kingdom you choose determines the decisions you make. We are all influenced much more than we would like to admit by the culture, by the people, and these things around us often form and shape us. The kingdom we choose influences our perceptions, our beliefs, and our values. And out of those perceptions, beliefs, and values will always come our decisions, our actions, and our attitudes. You will decide and make choices in life, check it out, based on what you perceive, what you believe, and what you value, and this is determined by the kingdom you belong to. So when you step into the kingdom of God, which I'm going to talk about in a second, what happens is you are now under a new frame of reference that's not the world. The world says, hey, sleep with anybody you want to, have fun, enjoy life, life is short, consume whatever you want to consume, go wherever you want to go. It's okay if you cheat, it's okay if you lie, it doesn't matter if you break law, as long as you don't hurt anybody, that's a frame of reference of the world, but that's, the, that's, a, that's another kingdom. And so when I step into God's kingdom, I have new perceptions, new beliefs, and new values, which sometimes take time to develop, but now my decisions are not based on what I feel. My decisions and my choices aren't based on what other people think or feel or do. Now they're, they're based on a different kingdom if I'm under the king, if I'm submitted to the king and the kingdom. So it's important to consider who's influencing me, who's influencing my decisions and choices, where my values come from. Do I even have any? Here's another point. To transfer from darkness to light, you need to experience two things, a new birth and a renewed mind. You have to experience both of these. How foolish is it to say, I got two options, light or dark? Eh, I'll choose dark. Dark is you can't see. Dark is you can get hurt. Dark is foolishness, which, by the way, is where most of the world is in. The goal in life is to move from darkness to life, but how do you get there? Well, John, uh, Jesus has a whole conversation in John 3 with this man, Nicodemus, remember? Uh, a, 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 a religious leader of the time. And it says in John 3, 3, Jesus replied, Verily, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You must be born again. It's, there's no way that somebody can be in the kingdom unless they're born again. And by the way, and Nicodemus was all confused, like, oh, I have to go back in my mother's womb. No, no, no. It's, that's when you, were, when you were born biologically, physically, you were born physically into this world. By the way, kingdom of darkness. When you are born again, it is not physical. It is a spiritual thing that happens in your life where you now step into God's kingdom. Out of the dark, into the light. Out of the world, into God's kingdom. And then Romans 12, 2 says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by, check this out, by changing the way you think. Because I thought one way before Christ, but I think a new way after Christ because I'm no longer in dark, I am in light. I am no longer in the kingdom of the world. I am in the kingdom of God. Another version says by, by renewing your mind, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Born again, that happens in a moment. 
A renewed mind is a continual journey with God's word in a process of relationship personally with Jesus Christ. This is the message of the gospel. We're all born in darkness without Jesus. Oh, but my baby's so cute, but your baby's a sinner too. As soon as they get the opportunity to say mine, as soon as they get the opportunity to say no, are you following me? We have to teach our kids to not be disobedient. We have to teach our kids to not be greedy because it's, it's in our nature. Are you following me? God, so, so we're all born in darkness. Without Jesus, we're in darkness. And transferring to light is not by how many good works do I have to do so that I can be considered worthy. Transferring to light is not who do I have to know. Transferring to light is not how much money do I have to have in my bank. It's there's nothing you and I could do or buy or earn. It is only by grace. We can't get there by our, We can't get to light by ourselves. That's why the Bible says in John 3 as well that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, to pay the, the price for our sins on the cross that whoever believes in him, Jesus, would not die but have, would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to be the way, the truth, and the life. The way to what? The way to light. The way to the kingdom of God. So when we put our faith in Jesus, we are saved and we are justified. Your decision, your, act, your decisions, your actions, and your attitudes are ultimately determined by the kingdom that you're in. You can't change yourself without changing your kingdom. You cannot experience true life change unless you experience true kingdom change. And as long as you're in the kingdom of darkness, you're going to continue to make bad or poor decisions, and you're going to continue to have sinful actions, sinful thoughts, and sinful attitudes. The key to changing your life is changing your kingdom. Your life will never truly change until you transfer spiritual kingdoms and cultures. Last point under this section. When you enter God's kingdom, you change. You begin living in the light. That's why... 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you, check it out, out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. You begin to see life by God's lens and perspective. You begin to believe truth rather than lies. You begin to live differently and the actions and the behaviors and the attitudes are now, they're different, they're new because you're not that, from that former frame of reference of the world, you are now part of God's kingdom. To be in God's kingdom, by the way, means you're going in the opposite direction of the world. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says that the, the gate is wide of those who are walking to perdition. But narrow is the gate of those who are walking into truth. I'm not saying that because I want it to be. I'm saying it's because what God's word says. So what that tells me is if you're going with the flow of culture and society and you just, just kind of look like everybody else in general, you're headed in the wrong direction because the Christian walk in the kingdom of God is countercultural. It is counterflow. It is going against the flow of society and culture. That's why there's so much tension sometimes between the things of the world and the things of God. So you have to be okay with this reality, and you have to be okay with the fact that when I'm a true Christian, I'm not talking about, oh, I go to church every once in a while, or, oh, I'm a good person on Sundays. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're a true Christian, a lot of people aren't going to be happy about it, and they're not going to celebrate it. 
seek his righteousness and his kingdom. I want to give you to close some practical thoughts which aren't going to blow your mind, but if we can, t- if we can make this happen, it can make the di- all the difference. Put God first. Everybody say, put God first. I'm going to give you these four points. Put God first. Number one, give God the first of your day. Give God the first of your day. Ask me how. With word, worship, and prayer. Look at Mark 135 up on the screens. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. While it was still what? Ooh, pastor. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus is God the Son, by the way. He got up early to get with God the Father. If Jesus, who is God the Son, did that, who do we think we are? Who do we think we are that we don't need that? How would it change your day if you met with Jesus first? How would it change your family? How would it change your work? Psalm 5.3, the psalmist writes, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Here's, here's my tip, practically speaking. 15 minutes. Hey, if you don't have a habit and a pattern of putting God first in your morning, let's start off with a realistic goal. Five, five, five. five, five. Everybody say five, five, five. Five minutes in a worship song to get your spirit prepared. Five minutes reading the word of God. Don't put any more pressure on yourself. And then five minutes praying based on what you read and what's God's putting on your heart. And I guarantee you, if you begin to put those five, five, five in as a habit, eventually 15 minutes is not going to be enough for you. You're going to say, I need more and I want more. Okay? Put him first in your day. Second, give God the first of your week. How? Ask me how. Ask me how. With consistent church attendance on Sundays. Hmm, I knew this was the same pastor as all the other pastors. Check it out. Check it out. Do you want to know what today's statistics say? The average Christian attends church one Sunday a month. The average, the average Christian, one Sunday a month. Check, it, check this out. That's 12 a year. And so, and so I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. And, 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 but what I'm trying to say is, if I make it a consistent pattern and discipline and practice in my life to do this, it opens the door to some major blessings. Luke 4.16, speaking of Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. As was his? It was his custom. It's what Jesus did. And he stood up to read. So we follow Jesus. He was consistently in the house of God, worshiping, fellowshipping, and reading the scriptures. There is something beautiful about personal worship and connection with God. And there is something beautiful uh, about corporate connection and worship together of the Lord. Uh, There are some things that happen in corporate worship that don't happen in personal worship. And there are some beautiful things that happen in personal worship that don't compare to what happens in corporate worship. He meets with us in special ways when we are together that he doesn't when we are alone. And he meets with us in special ways when we are alone, which he doesn't when we are together. I don't know how to explain it, but it's awesome. It's not either or, it's both and. And I've heard people say, well, well, I don't need the church. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing. No, you don't. You got your own thing. Jesus says you do it my way. And Jesus says, give God your first of your day and give God the first of your week. Amen? Three. Three. Ain't nobody got, ain't nobody got your way. God isn't Burger King. Do my way. That's the first thing to get you in check. Well, you, then you must be God. Number three, give God the first of your month. Give God the first of your month. How? Ask me how. Ask me how. With tithes and offerings. Amen, Pastor. Amen. Yeah, yeah. When you know, hey, when you know, you know. When you don't know, you're like, hmm. And you don't know. And you don't know. The first fruits of your work. I put God's, God first in my finances. 
Deuteronomy 14, 23. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship. By the way, the tithe goes to the place of worship. It's, it's to the store how we get fed. I don't get to determine, oh, I want to distribute part of my tithe to my grandma in Colombia or to this foundation in Ecuador because the tithe is the Lord's. Anything above and beyond that, then I can determine what I want to do with it because that's my, that's my above. That's my legacy. That's my, that's, that's my above and beyond. Are you with me? So I don't determine where the tithe goes because the tithe is not mine. <laughs> I return it to the Lord. We'll talk a little bit more about this next week. Number four, give God the first of your year. How? Ask me how. Ask me how. With prayer and fasting. I want you to look at this, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You want want to know what Jesus was doing before this happened? Before this? Jesus prayed and fasted and then the power of God came upon him to do the ministry that the Father had called him to do. There are things that God is calling you to do this year, 2024, that you do not have the power or authority to do on your own, and neither do I. And can I just get practical for a second? God, this is what I'm saying. God, I need your power, and I need your help to be the best husband that I could be because I cannot be who just Lane needs me to be on my own. I cannot be. I need you, God, to be the best father for Caleb Alexander, Sophia Nicole, and for Nicholas David. I need you. I cannot do it. I cannot be the best father that I could be without you. To be the best son, to be the best brother in Christ, to be the best pastor, that I, to be my, my job, to do what I, I cannot do it on my own. I need you. I depend on you, so I'm putting you first. Can I tell you something? This can be the best year of your life if, if it's the best year of your life spiritually. This can be the best year of your life. Well, pastor, that would require me reorganizing and restructuring my life. Precisely. Precisely. Putting God first. What does that mean? That means that, that, means that when you look at my calendar, you're going to notice God's first. That means that when you look at my budget, you're going to notice God's first. That means when you look at, 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 my, at what I say, my words, my actions, my relationships, when you look at, at how I live, everything points to God first. So we don't need to worry about the wrong things. All, all these things, they're important. God knows. But we don't have to worry about all those things. We have to worry about putting God first. And then all these things, they're going to fall in place. They're, they're going to be they're gonna add in, they're gonna be added. They're going to fall in place. The heart of today's message, if you truly want to see the most important things fit properly in your life, you have to pay attention to your priorities. When you put God first, everything can come into order. When God is not first, nothing can come into order. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. I want to do two prayers. The first one's for everybody and the second one will be an invitation for anybody who doesn't know Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word which is truth and it helps us manage and steward our lives. I pray that we would be wise to heed the wisdom and the understanding and the principles from your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us put you first in every single area of our lives. We love you, we honor you, we bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.